Good evening. Welcome to Night Time. I'm Dave Wager from the Relate 365 Leadership Team, your host for the next half hour. We're hoping that God will use this time to help you unwind from the business of this day and begin to prepare for tomorrow. Often, when we start the process of going to sleep, we can take a moment to reflect on the day and see how we responded to the various people and situations we encountered. Hopefully, you're able to live and not just endure this day. Each night as we start our time together, I want to remind you of some critical thoughts that so often get lost in the plethora of stimuli we seem immersed in. God is a God of love, and He loves you. And He has a plan, and you can be in His plan if you want to be. If you had trouble finding God today, it was because you did not truly seek Him. If for some reason you're angry, disappointed, or choosing to disobey God, you don't know Him. If you've been with us the last few podcasts, you realize I'm going through a book that I wrote called Beyond the Deception, Learning to Defend the Truth. It's basically a guided devotional that helps us understand as we read the Bible, how we can do some thinking about what's actually said in the Bible and apply it to our lives. There's 21 different selections that came out of Scripture, basically Jude and Second Peter, and then my journal entry on those sections with some blank pages that allow you to take some time and write your thoughts and goals and ideas down. I hope you're taking time every day to just sit and think about what's right. I hope you get away from all the media. I know that's funny talking about getting away from the media while I'm talking to you on the media. Well, when you're finished, I hope you get away from the media and do some thinking and writing and applying God's Word to your life. Because knowing God's Word and applying it are two different things. Recently, I had a friend talk to me and they were talking about something about veterans' benefits and I love our nation's veterans and appreciate what they have sacrificed so that we could enjoy the life we have. I told him that I actually took ROTC courses and I had to take ROTC for one year when I went to Wheaton College. Back then, it was a requirement for all men to take one year of ROTC. And then I asked him if taking a year of ROTC qualified me to be a veteran. For some reason, he laughed. I guess that means no. That's not totally unlike our Christianity today. Many of us sit and we have taken classes and Bible studies, but we haven't really entered the war. We haven't really gone out and fought the battle. We haven't allowed God to really control our lives. We're still trying to make the plan ourselves.
I have a friend who died recently. He was a missionary in Africa. His name was Dave, is Dave. And I'm confident he is with the Lord today. The news of his death was a shock to me. He had a heart attack, died quickly. One of my roommates in college and started the year-round work at Silver Birch Ranch together with four other people. There were six of us at the beginning. Dave was a faithful man, faithful to God, faithful to his family, faithful to the Word of God as he translated the Bible into different dialects. Time will only tell how his work impacted lives in many different languages. He was a soldier. He not only knew God's word, he applied it. He wasn't one who took a Christian course and went to Christian ROTC, but he actually lived the life of a soldier. He was a faithful friend and a faithful partner. Thought 19 from the book Beyond the Deception starts with a statement that says, selective memory can be both good and bad. 2 Peter 3, 1 and 2. This is my second letter to you, dear friends. And to both of them, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. 2 Peter 3, 1 to 2. My friend Dave, he was translating the Bible so that people would know God and know how to respond. It's a pity that we have God's Word so easily available to us in the English language and we ignore it so often. Why is it so easy to forget? One of the evil one's great deceptions is to make me think that once I know something, I know something. That is just not true. In fact, I often know something and then realize that I don't really know what I thought I knew. Are you following me here? I tell you that I know I should exercise on a regular basis, but there are times when I do not exercise on a regular basis. Often I have to remind myself what I need to do. God's Word tells me that I need to pray without ceasing, and I need to meditate on His Word day and night. Why? Why can't I just read it, take the test, and be done with it? Could it be because it's living? In fact, in Hebrews 4.12, the New Living Translation says, For the Word of God is alive and powerful, it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The Bible is living. 
It is able to attack my bad thoughts, my poorly conceived ideas, and keep me clean on the, and on track. Because my thoughts are forever in motion, I must constantly check them against the Word of God. God throughout history has seemed to love placing reminders in front of people so that they will never forget the obvious. This recognizes the fact that I can indeed forget the obvious. I think that every man should have a picture of his wife and family in a frame that has the words no regrets engraved on it. I think he should look at the picture every time he leaves the office and every time he returns and remind himself of the fact that he is to be faithful to his wife and a leader to his household. I have that phrase plastered everywhere in my life. When the day comes that I close my eyes on this life, I want to know that I have been to my family what I should have been, and that I have accomplished the purpose God created me to accomplish. This will not happen by mistake or by accident. What reminders do you have surrounding you each day? Are you totally surrounded by sports, memorabilia, pictures of mountains or cars? What should you have in your life as reminders and what is it you should be reminded of? Those who minimize their reminders minimize their ability to achieve their goals. I really need to remind myself, this is the piece of the truth puzzle at the end of this chapter. It says, I need to continually remind myself of the important things in life, lest I forget them and begin living as if the unimportant were important. It's so easy in life to forget what's important because the urgent things that we stare at every day seem to become more important than what is really important. The thought for day 20 starts with a statement that says, my environment will help me intentionally remember or intentionally forget. I have been accused of being a legalist at times. Yet legalism is not something you do, it's an attitude with which you do something. If you exercise and you need to exercise and you tell yourself you need to exercise so many minutes a day or so many different ways, that that's not legalism, that's wisdom. If you watch your diet, that's not legalism, that's wisdom. If you set time aside to meet with God, your family, your friends, that's not legalism, that's wisdom. Second Peter 3, 5-7 in the New Living Translation says, They deliberately forget that God made the heavens by the word of His command. 
And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when the ungodly people will be destroyed. Wow. Who would deliberately forget that God is the Creator? What is the significance of deliberately forgetting that God made all that was made? Well, it certainly makes life easier if I do not need to answer to anyone. If there's not a Creator, there'll be no judgment, and there are no expectations, and there is no real plan. If all things are accidental, I can live like an accident and do whatever I want, whenever I want. If God is the creator, then God has a plan. If he has a plan, I'm either a part of it or I'm not a part of it. That may be pressure I don't want. What happens if I refuse to remember God as the creator and sustainer of all life? Is that where I begin to elevate my ways and my thinking? I begin to propagate the greatest deception of all, the idea that I am the be-all and end-all of all things? Lucifer was one who seemed to forget the fact that he was not the creator, but one who was created. He longed to take on God's role and God's responsibilities. Lucifer was less than satisfied with the spot in the universe God gave to him. And he began to lobby God and others to achieve his personal advancement. When Lucifer showed up in the garden, he used the same thinking to persuade Eve and Adam to sin. He told them that their lives would be better, that they would know more, and that they were missing out by listening to God. Satan was wrong. He's still wrong. One day, Satan will be punished for eternity for his attitude and his evil. In fact, all those who choose to ignore the fact that God created the world and who refuse to subject themselves to him and his ways will be recipients of God's wrath. As I am reminded that God is the Creator, I am also reminded that I am the created. As I remind myself that He is the Sustainer, I am reminded that I am the one who needs sustaining. As I am reminded of God's creativity, I am reminded that I am nothing without Him. These are good reminders that will pay rich dividends in life and in the hereafter. What reminders do you have in your life of the fact that God is the creator and sustainer of life? Does that really matter to you? It's not legalism to put reminders up, it's wisdom. I remember a young man once telling me that if, if you've heard me teach, meaning Dave Wager teach, you've if you've heard him once, you've 
heard what he has to say because he says the same thing over and over again. And I am guilty of doing that. There's nothing new that I can talk about. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and I may learn more, but I have nothing new to say. The piece of the truth puzzle that is here says environment does not cause growth. It helps or hinders growth, but it's never the cause. God alone allows us to grow. And yes, he can make us grow in any environment. But there's a lot in the Bible about environment, whether it be seeds or farming or... Because environment has to do with how we grow. And adjusting our environment is important. And those who love God adjust their lives and their environment so that they have time to hear God. The last thought in the book, Beyond the Deception. The 21st thought starts with a phrase that says this. My death is certain. My life on this earth is not certain. Yeah, when you think about it, we're going to be dead a whole lot longer than we're alive. Yet we spend so much time thinking about this moment. We're even willing to allow the moment to destroy the forever. It doesn't make sense. Second Peter 3, 8 to 13 says this in the New Living Translation. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and is hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in flames. But we are looking forward to a new heavens and a new earth that he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. 2 Peter 3, 8-13 Another great deception passed over on us by the evil one is the idea that life will always go on as we know it today. We are told over and over again in Scripture that this life we know will one day end. The timing of the end is not given. But the fact of the end is quite clear. Because we have made this world our home, we do not often like talking about its eventual destruction. Take a moment and look around the room you are in right now. 
Take a moment to imagine that it's all gone, vaporized in a moment. Think of the moment when you will stand before God and how much of what you invested your life in will be with you. As we saw earlier, it's important that we see God as both the creator and sustainer. The very atoms that are currently held together could, at any time God chooses, disorganize, split, and cause an explosion that will result in a nothingness beyond our imaginations. I can only imagine God sitting in heaven watching our activities and wondering why we spend so much time and energy on things that he will one day destroy. I can imagine him being puzzled by the way we think, by our short-sightedness, by what we call our investment strategies. How would I spend my time and resources if I were thinking of things as God thought of things? Am I living in reality or have I been deceived into believing what the temporal is and not thinking it's temporal? What God says is true, therefore I need to rethink what my investment strategy is. It would be most wise to take as much with me to eternity as I can, yet there is nothing on this earth apart from people that I can take with me. What shall I do while I wait? Peter tells me plainly. In the 14th verse of the third chapter, the New Living Translation says, And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. I may not be able to change the world, but my responsibility is to make every effort to live in peace, knowing what the truth is and allowing that to guide my life. To live a pure life, thinking of what's right to do and good for others, and that things that would honor God, and things that would be totally blameless in His sight. Will God say that I have lived a pure and blameless life? There is still time for now. It's the final truth puzzle piece in this is that my death is more certain than my life. You know, it's easy to believe what I believe because I already believe it. I like who I am and what I believe, and I can defend it with sound thoughts and rhetoric. The problem with that is that my sound thought and decent rhetoric do not necessarily constitute truth. Herein lies the problem of all humankind. We can think and talk and conclude whatever we want and still be thinking wrongly, talking wrongly, and concluding wrongly. We can surround ourselves with intellectuals, theologians, and scientists and still live in ignorance. 
We can listen to talk radio news shows and read the nation's major newspapers and still live in deception. We can go to the best schools and seminaries and still live in ignorance and foolishness. The only way to know that we're not living in deception is to know and be obedient to God. I need not understand Him. I need not agree with Him. I need no further explanation from Him than what is already revealed. I do not need, I do need to realize that God has given me enough information to satisfy my faith, but never enough to satisfy my curiosity. My proper response to the truth in God's Word will always be obedience. God is God. I am Dave. And no other arrangement is possible. This means that truth will be something Dave needs to discover, not make up. Truth is something that belongs to God and is revealed to Dave. Truth is something by which I should evaluate my life rather than using my life to evaluate truth. I hope all who have taken this journey tonight with me will begin to develop the habits of asking God to reveal truth to them as they're in His Word, as well as the errors of our ways. We don't want to look for just affirmation. We want to look for correction. We need to see deception as the grand enemy and do whatever is needed to live in truth. Satan's greatest weapon is deception. If that weapon is rendered useless, his efforts will be in vain and all those who have honestly evaluated their lives and lived in the truth will rejoice. There is an end to all this thing we call life. There will be winners and losers. There will be those who are proven right and those who are proven wrong. On which side will you land? How do you know for sure? Revelation 19.20 says, And the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast. Miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. In the end, God wins. All who willingly follow Satan and all who are deceived lose. That will be the beginning of the end. I hope going through the book Beyond the Deception has been challenging to you. If you want to get more information on how you can get this particular book or others that are in the Beyond series, there's several. You need to go to Relate365.com. Or you can email me at that site and ask for how you can get these books in bulk. So you can use them for various Bible studies or 
within your family devotions. I'm so thankful that you would spend any time with me as we went through the journey of trying to understand little snippets from the book of Jude and 2 Peter. You know, God doesn't desire us to live our lives and be fooled. The only people that will be fooled are those who choose not to seek the truth because if you really seek the truth, God promises you'll find it. Not if you try and affirm everything you already believe, that's not what it says, but if it is a genuine seeking of truth and a genuine seeking of God, God tells us that those who truly seek Him, they'll find Him. God will not hide. God loves each of us tremendously and wants us to enjoy the life that He created. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. God loves you. And he loves me. I need to spend time discovering him and his purposes in my life and intentionally align my life with the truths that he has given us in his word. If I do that, when I leave this life, I will have no regrets. I wish the same for you. This has been Dave Wager. Thanks for spending time with me. You can get more information at Relate365.com.